You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. All right. Well, it's great to be together on this uh, very special day, uh, Easter. I uh, appreciate Jay so much. Jay did a great job during communion. Excuse Jay or him. And Nedra as well. She blew it out with a song. Woo! All right, I think I'm set. All right, I want to welcome everyone. Uh, thanks for coming uh, and celebrating uh, this special day with us. On the Christian calendar, Easter is perhaps the most important day of the year. Uh, to me, even greater than Christmas. The truth of the matter is that we don't really even know when Jesus was born. December 25th is a guess that they took, and it might be even way off. But Easter is a day that we know for sure, pretty much, because it falls on the Jewish calendar as well. And as Jay said, it is the most powerful, important day uh, for us as Christians. And uh, as we get started, uh, we're going to look at a video uh, very soon here, and we're going to get a chance to really understand the build-up to what the significance of Easter really is, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and what does that mean for us particularly? I really appreciate Gracie, uh, Samara, Gracie did all the decorations for us today, and uh, there's a scene of the empty tomb, and then I think these are serpents, are they? They look like serpents, don't they, on the side? They look like serpents coming at me. And then uh, she did want me to uh, make a, an announcement for everybody here so that after the service today, this is a real uh, crown of thorns. So please don't come up and kind of touch it. You might be the blood offering for today if you come and do that. So, And we don't practice that anymore. Uh, we're going to watch a video here in a few seconds here, but let's start off with a word of prayer. Father, we're so grateful to you to be together. God, of all people on the face of the earth, that we should really understand the significance of what the resurrection means. Not only for us, but really the hope of mankind. Father, thank you so much for Jay really sharing not only the gospel, but his life as well. And pointing us towards what it means to appreciate the cross and appreciate the resurrection. It is the hope that we have today for eternal life. And God, I pray that as we uh, really look at you and your word, I pray that we can really focus and God, really learn and, and really open up to making some significant changes in our own lives as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's play the video. There's this crazy story at the beginning of the Bible. We have Adam and Eve, and they're in the Garden of Eden. And everything in this garden is great. It's exactly as it should be. Except there's this one tree that they're told by God not to eat from because it's dangerous and it will kill them. So that's it. Uh, avoid this fruit tree and we're fine. Right. It seems pretty simple. But in this garden, there's a snake. And it starts telling a different story. It says that if you eat of this tree, it's not going to kill you. In fact, it's going to make you become like God. And Adam and Eve, they believe the snake and they eat the fruit. And because of this, the goodness of the garden is tragically lost and evil and death enters into God's good world. Now, why is there a talking snake in the garden? I mean, 
this thing is a problem. Yeah, it's very strange. And even more strange is the fact that the Bible doesn't say why or how this thing even got there. It just presents the snake as this creature who's in rebellion against God and that wants to get other people to doubt God's goodness and lead them on a path towards death. And so whatever this snake is, it's the source of evil that pervades our world and our lives, even still today. But there is some hope because right here in the story, God makes this really interesting promise to Adam and Eve. That someone is going to come in the future, a son of Eve. And this guy's going to come and he's going to crush the serpent's head and destroy evil at its source. However, during this battle, the serpent is going to bite this guy's heel. So it's like a mutual destruction. Yeah, it's this very strange but beautiful promise. And it's just left hanging there until the next key moment in the story when God singles out this guy named Abraham and says that through his family, goodness and blessing is going to be restored back to all of the nations of the world. And as we follow this family, we get to one of Abraham's great-grandsons, this guy named Judah. And he receives this promise that a king is going to come from his line and that the whole world's going to follow this king and he's going to bring peace and harmony and there'll be lots of food and wine and milk and vineyards and it's going to be awesome. The first king that we meet from the line of Judah is a guy named King David. And he's a hero. Maybe he is the snake crusher. But it turns out that David is infected with the same evil as the rest of humanity. He never crushes the snake, just the opposite. However, God makes a promise to David that this king is going to eventually come from his line. But as you go on in the story, one by one, each generation of his sons, they're just total chumps. They give in to the snake, they choose evil, they go after money and sex and power and following other gods. Things get so bad that they run the nation of Israel right into the ground and the big bad empire of Babylon just takes them out. And so now there are no more kings to even fulfill this promise. So it seems like the whole plan is lost. But during these dark days, there's this crazy group of guys called prophets. And they just kept talking about this coming king and reminding us of the promise that he'll come, he'll defeat evil, he'll restore the garden. Now, one specific prophet, Isaiah, he tells us more about why this king is bitten. Isaiah says that the promised king receives this wound because of humanity's evil and that it kills him. But then all of a sudden he comes back and Isaiah says it's because he suffered this wound that he can now become a source of healing to other people. But the Old Testament ends and the snake-crushing king that everyone's been talking about never shows up. And this is why when the New Testament begins, it introduces us to Jesus of Nazareth. Not as some random guy, but as someone who comes to fulfill these specific ancient promises. Yeah, we learn that he's from the line of David, Judah, and Abraham. And he goes around Israel announcing that the goodness of God's kingdom is here, now. And he begins confronting the effects of evil on people by healing them, by forgiving them of their sins and evil. Many people are now believing that this is, in fact, the promised king. But Jesus began telling his closest followers that he was going to become king and bring peace by taking the full effect of humanity's evil into himself. The fatal snake bite wound. Exactly. And so it seems like the serpent wins. And this story actually would be a tragedy except for what happens next. Jesus rises from the dead. 
And now Jesus has the power over evil and death for himself. And so the rest of the New Testament is then making this claim that Jesus' power over evil and death has now become available to us to begin confronting the effects of evil in our lives. But even still, death and evil are a real problem in our world all around us. And so the story of the Bible ends by describing this future day when Jesus comes back and he finishes the job. He destroys the snake once and for all and he restores the goodness of the garden here on earth. There's this crazy story at the beginning of the Bible. We have Adam and Eve and they're in the Garden of Eden. All right, thank you, Christian. It was so good, we wanted to play it again. That was a great video because it gives us a synopsis of the buildup to the resurrection itself. Without the proper understanding of what it meant, God's plan, the resurrection really is a neat parlor trick in some ways, although perhaps the greatest parlor trick of all times. But there was a, there's a story in the Bible that leads up to this that will really help us to understand our relationship with the resurrection itself. And it's in the book of Luke as well. We're going to do a lot of reading today, so I hope that uh, you know, you're going to follow along here and really get the text uh, fully out. We're going to do a lot of it on screen because I wanted to stay with the same text because I know we have different translation of the Bible. Jesus tells a story about an, a man uh, named Lazarus and a rich man. And it goes like this. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and he lived in luxury every day. At his gates was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. I appreciate the special effects there with the kids. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he came, he called to him. He says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his fingers in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. We see a glimpse here for what it's going to take for us to fully understand what the resurrection is. Here's a story about Lazarus and a rich man. The rich man goes by Lazarus every day without a care. Just looking at Lazarus, you really got to harden your heart to do that, don't you think? To walk by somebody every day, to see the obvious need and yet ignore it. But it gives you a little glimpse into the man's heart as well. So when he dies, he sees Lazarus uh, up on, on with, with Abraham. And look what he says. He's still the same person. He says, Father, have pity on me. Hey, send Lazarus to run an errand for me. Different situation, same hearts. And it's the kind of heart that got him where he wound up with uh, at the end there. Let's continue. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things. Well, Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us, you and, uh, besides, uh, between us and, and you, uh, a chasm, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, Send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Same thing. 
So basically, this man says, listen, if he sees somebody rises from the dead, it's going to change their minds. It's going to change their lives. And this is really interesting. Watch this. You would think, right, if, I, if you see somebody that, you know, great uncle that's been passed away for a few years, come back and, you know, Uncle Joey or whatever says, hey, Mark, how are you? You know, you wouldn't be surprised and then change your life perhaps. But apparently not. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he says, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. We fool ourselves, don't we? We set conditions on God, don't we? We say, God, if you give us a certain markers in our lives and certain things in our lives that we can see and we can touch, then we'll really believe. And yet this Bible challenges that premise. This Bible verses. It challenges our premise of what we think we need to make it to, to heaven. And then Abraham says here, through the words of Jesus, says, oh, no, that's not true. It's, it's actually the word of God that's going to get us to heaven. It's the word of God. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes relationship, as Jay talked about. It takes a lot to really go back into the scripture to really see what the significance of the resurrection is. Point number one, you got to remember the word. It's the word of God. Abraham already said that even if someone comes here and we might be surprised for a little bit and get excited a little bit, but it's actually the word that's going to get us where we need to go. And that's good news for us because I doubt very much that any of us are going to see Jesus rise up from the dead. That's good news for us. Remember the word. We're going to skip to Easter itself in Luke chapter 24. Jesus had already died. He was resurrected on the third day. He died on Friday. On Saturday was the Sabbath. They couldn't do anything. So the very first day that they had a chance to go visit the tomb was on Sunday morning. And that's exactly what they did. Easter morning. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they entered. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And hence the painting to my back, that these were angels that stood behind the women. And this is probably the first uh, the tomb, the first first uh, century tomb that probably looks a little bit like this. You get the little niches there so the different bodies can go in there. It's more of a family tomb. These are the tombs of rich people. In their fright, the women bow down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must deliver over to the hands of sinner. He crucified and on the th- be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. 
You know, we live in a world today that is really visually based, right? Everything has to be visual. Everything has to be like, man, what, 100 frames per minute. And I tell you this from Scripture itself, that remembering the Word of God is crucial to our relationship with God. These women were so shocked, but these angels are saying, you shouldn't really be shocked. Because this has been foretold since the beginning of God's relationship with Adam and Eve. God already told that this is what's going to happen. That Jesus must be delivered into the hands of sinners. I want to ask us today, how good are we, is that the proper word? I mean, how, how well versed are we in reading God's word? Besides just the, some of the scriptures that we know by heart, some of the scriptures that we might paraphrase in, in, in our hearts, some of the scriptures that we think that are in scriptures but actually aren't even in scriptures. <laughs> if that was the basis of our relationship with God, where do we stand today? Where do we stand today in God's word? For those that are visiting with us, it's so awesome to, to be together, worshiping God on Sundays, but the work is on the other days to sit down together and to see if this is the most important thing in our lives. If every one of us, whether it's a long ways or a little bit of a, just a short time here, to our own death, what happens on the other side? We should invest the time to really figure that out. That is the most important thing that we can do. Don't you think? Logically, it makes sense. Don't you think? So these angels tell the women what? Remember the words. Remember what was taught. Remember what Jesus taught you when he was still with us. And that opened up their minds. That opened up their hearts. You ever see something that you don't understand? You ever go to a movie that you've seen it before? Let's say that we go see a murder mystery, right? And then you go see it. This is your second time. You go see it with someone who's only seen it for the first time. And at the end of the movie, you already know who did it. Does that affect you when you go see it in the movie again? It does, right? So when you see it the movie, when you see the movie the second time around, you know exactly what's going on. Oh, that's the way. That's why she did that. You're not telling your friend, even though you're dying to tell. It's, it's, it's that guy over there. You're like afraid of yourself, right? But you know the story. That's exactly what happened. He says, you know the story. This shouldn't be a surprise. That it must happen this way. And it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Remember the video? Remember the video that the the... The serpent killer? That's what he was referring to. He was referring to the fall of man. And God was coming and he dished out the punishment for the serpent, for man, and for woman. And he says, this is what's going to happen. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman to the serpents. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your, crush your head and you will strike his heel. This was at the beginning of God's word itself. Every Jew, 
every converted Jew, which was Gentile, converted Jew to you, knew this very passage, and yet it's so easy for us to forget. God said it at the very, very beginning that this must happen. Point number two. We need to rethink the word. We need to rethink the word. This is our reality, right? And I love the beginning of the video when the the guy says, what a strange thing that a serpent is lurking around the Garden of Eden, you know, and animals talking and stuff like that. So to us, it's strange. But we need to rethink that not everything that is real comes from our own perspective. Not everything that is real comes from our own little world that we live in. So we make our judgments on things. We gotta expand our thinking. Maybe before the fall of man, animals could talk. That's a thought. I think it's a good thought. I love animals. They're delicious. No, I'm just kidding. I love animals. I love animals. I love animals. I love animals. I want to communicate. Right? So from our perspective, that's ridiculous. That's kind of weird, but not from pre-fall mankind, womankind, humankind perspective. That the relationship that God had with nature, you'd be shocking to read scriptures and how even in Genesis chapter 6, God makes a covenant with man, but he also makes a covenant with the, the earth itself, his creation. So some of the millennials sitting here going, you know, save this and save that. You're not that far off. You're not some left-wing liberal hippie from the Bay Area. You're actually pretty close to God. (laughs) That this is his earth. He wants to preserve the earth. We have to rethink the word of God. We got to rethink the word of God. Let's take a look and see what it says. We continue in the story. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, and the mother of James. And the others who were with them told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women. Did you know that in ancient times, women witnesses were counted only as half? Isn't that terrible? If you were a woman, you're, you're, if you were a witness, you, your weight was only half of that of a man. I'm so, so sorry I did not do that, okay? <laughs> because their words seems like nonsense. Even the apostles were dunce. Peter, however, got up. He ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. The word wonder it's a, it's a Greek word that actually, it's a little bit stronger than wondering. It means that he was really thinking about it. He was really, like, mesmerized by it. All the pieces were coming together. The resurrection of Jesus put all the pieces in place. Ah, that's why that happened. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he was given over to Pilate. Now that same day, two of them were going on the village called Emmaus. About seven miles from Jerusalem. This is three days after, right? So they finished their journey to Jerusalem. They're on their way back to the town. I don't know what it looked like. Maybe on a road there were fellow travelers with them. They were going back to their towns. 
They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. And they talked and they discussed these things with each other. Jesus snuck behind them and walked along with them, but they kept from, they were kept from recognizing him. Who's was the stranger walking next to me as they were just talking along to each other? Jesus asked them, says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? There was a pop quiz that Jesus gave these guys. Don't you hate it when you're in class? I mean, I love it when the professors lecture, right? Because I want to hear. But I hate it when we break them into little groups. I don't want to break up in little groups. But that's what Jesus said. What do you think of this, right? They stood still and their faces downcast. Pop quiz. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here uh, in these days? Jesus goes, what things? He's like, what do you want? You know, we have a six-year-old. It's I love exasperating her. I just love it. That's one of my favorite things to do. It's like, I don't know, Dad. You know, it's like, do that again. I mean, you know, let me exasperate you some more. <laughs> About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we, here's the key, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. We need to rethink the word. Why did they miss the resurrection, even though Jesus was walking right next to them? Because they were focused on a different thing. They were focused on a different result. If we take Christianity as something that's like, hey, listen, give me and feed my little world and help me fix this. If that's the lens that we see Christianity through, we're going to miss it. What was going on here? That's exactly what they were doing. They were living in this little world called Judea. The Roman, the powerful, bad Roman Empire was against them. And they were oppressed. And they're like, if only someone would come and take us out of this miserable situation, that would be the Messiah. They missed it. And we look at them 2,000 years ago and we go, wow, these guys are so small-minded. We do exactly the same thing. So many of us, we see Christianity through our own lens. If God could just save me, rescue me from this relationship, make my life a little bit better, I want not the good news, I want good advice. It's so small. Jesus didn't come here just to save little Judea. If he did, we would have no hope. He came here to save the world. Which we are sitting here today, Gentiles and Jews alike, appreciate Dink doing the Seder on Friday, that we can sit here today having this hope, this eternal hope, this perpetual hope that we have. That when we die, that's not the end of our story. And I'm looking at the teens. They're like, oh, Ken, you know, whatever. I tell you what, I look at you sometimes, I go, what happened? I'm 51 years old, man, what happened? It's so fast. I'm telling you, I was your age 35 years ago. You know, it's like, that is a long time. But you know what? It goes really fast. (laughs) I mean, it does go fast. 
it comes around faster than we think. We need to rethink the scriptures. We need to rethink, look at God's word for what it is, not we want it to be. Amen? In addition, some of our women amazed us, and this is where the women get redeemed. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. And uh, you know the Me Too movement? This is like I told you movement 2,000 years ago. This is where it began. I told you, honey, Ken, I told you. But they did not see Jesus. Everything is a root. It all goes back to the Bible. No, just kidding. Right? We see things from a different perspective. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, and he explained to them what he what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. Here's another thing that I think we can change our mind in. These are pretty strong words Jesus used. How foolish are you? And how slow to believe that the prophets have spoken. We like to paint pictures, this little wimpy, little, you know, like, perfectly worded. Nah, that's pretty strong. There are some hard things in Scripture. We are going to change our mind about what Scripture is that we need to be willing to accept. We need to be willing to accept. Amen? This is a really profound point here. If I do so say so myself, it's a really profound point. We gotta be willing to accept the hard things that Jesus is teaching us. We don't have time to do this. I, yeah, we do. You know, it's like, we can't just eat like baby food all the time when it comes to our relationship with God. I love this, by the way. I used to feed Gabby, and you know, it's like when she doesn't want to eat it, I eat it. The banana is the best. It's the best, man. All right, you don't want it, honey? All right, fine. It's so small, but it's so good. Okay? But that's for babies. That's for babies. Let's graduate into the little meat sticks. I mean, it's a lot better. These are really good, too. These are really, really good. All right? We got to graduate in our relationship with God. Let me close on out here. You know, Jesus did it in a way that it was palatable, in a sense, to them. As they approached the village which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going a little bit further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So they went and they stayed with them. Isn't that cool? These guys are open-hearted. They were not turned off by the, the words of Jesus, even though it was a little bit hard. They could have been offended. You know, I often think how, in history, how many opportunities have been missed because people have been offended. I've often think about that, you know, thought about that. When someone's offended by something, they're just, I'm out of here. Don't even have a chance to really see what's the next page. I think that's my cue. These guys are coming up to get me. So let me close that out. (laughs) My last point, retell the word. Retell the word. Amen? 
Last point was rethink the word. Last point, retell the word. This is Scott Green. Scott passed away last night. And for some of us who knew Scott, Scott really was a hero in our churches, family of churches around the world. And a lot of you young guys don't know this, but Scott is a white guy. He, in that time, went to China to start the church in Hong Kong, which now has flourished into all the churches in China. Scott was a brilliant guy, graduated from Boston University, I think, and went to Hong Kong, learned the language, and preached the word in Chinese. Subsequently came back to America, went over to Europe to become really one of the lead teachers there in our family of churches in Europe. Scott passed away last night with a brain tumor. I tell you, this life is short. As I heard of Scott's passing last night, I thought about just all the little encounters that I've had with Scott over the years, the 30 years that we were in, in the same part together. And I thought about just, wow, that's, that's really, that, it seems like it was only yesterday. Yeah. Seems like it was only yesterday. Let's retell the word, amen? I'm happy for Scott. Scott made it. I'm sad for Lynn. Sad for his children. Scott was relatively young, in his 50s still. So let's really retell the word. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. Have a great Easter. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net. 